0: morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. All right, a lot to get into. Now, the crux of Monday's show was I asked the viewers, the listeners, like what, what would make you happy this year? What are your expectations as an Ohio State football fan? What would make the 2023 season a success? What are your expectations? And of course, some people were like, win every game, national championship or bust. Of course, mm-hmm. that's the ultimate goal. But yeah, the, right. most of the people back said, The vast majority, I wish I had like an actual like, you know, uh, poll number here, but the vast majority of people said, and I agree with this, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, make the college football playoff, let the chips fall as they may from there. Everything else, and obviously you want to win the national championship at that point, but if you win the Big Ten, you beat Michigan, you get to the national you know, championship game or get to the final four at least, the season then is a success in my book, and most people seem to agree with that. What would you say? I think I might have lower expectations than
1: most. So, this is interesting for me because normally I'm, everybody accused me of the scarlet colored glasses on here. Beat Michigan was where I was going to stop. Just that? Okay. Just beat Michigan, right? Because if you look at the schedule that Ohio State has this year, Dave, it's the first time since what, the 1800s that we played six road games? Uh, something like that. It's, it's some insanely long time period. And if you look at who we have, we got to go to Notre Dame, we got to go to Michigan, we got to go to Wisconsin. This is not an easy schedule, guys. And we're breaking in a new quarterback. We're breaking in two new tackles. Look, this is Ohio State, right? Any year you don't win 11 games is generally considered a complete, utter catastrophe. But I look at the schedule and I'm like, we're 10 and 2, but we beat Michigan. I'm not going to be that mad, right? Because it's just, just so much new talent in here. So maybe I'm on the low end of the expectation spectrum. You know, maybe I the, the defense being largely bad for the last couple years has kind of pushed me back into a a spot where if our quarterbacks aren't insanely good and our offense isn't literally one of the best in the country, maybe we're not as good as we thought. I'm the guy who to this day says that Dwayne Haskins was the right decision over Joe Burrow because Haskins took a team that was six and six without him to a Rose Bowl win in a big 10 the one year he started. So beat Michigan. And then if we're like nine and three or 10 and two. It's not the best thing, but at least we fixed that problem of losing to the the team up north, right? That's the biggest issue we have at the program right now. I could see this young team losing a game or two in difficult road environments. Do you think Wisconsin's like to be fired up for a little fickle having Ohio State come in? Do you think Notre Dame isn't going to be better this year, right? Like, you have to go to Ann Arbor. This is a hard schedule day. So, I'm
0: going to settle on beat Michigan. What do you think, Dave? Is that too low of an expectation? Well, maybe I'm wrong here, but I kind of almost feel like they're one and the same. Like, I can't imagine this Ohio State team beating Michigan and not winning the Big Ten. It's theoretically possible because Penn State's going to be really good. Yeah, but that's Even if – so, for them to beat Michigan and not win the Big Ten, I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's theoretically possible. Obviously, they could lose to Penn State, still beat Michigan, and then, you know, even if they tie with Penn State, you know, if Penn State loses another game – then Penn State would be the Big Ten champ for the East. Or it would be the East champ, which is really the Big Ten champ. I guess I'm guilty thinking about it here. And, and I know Penn State's going to be good, but I'm sitting there thinking, like, if Ohio State beats Michigan, to me it's almost one in the same sitting here now in February. It's easy to say that. We'll see in November. But, um, yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like it's one in the same. And you're right. Like, this schedule, I don't think enough people are talking about it. Like, the most road games that they've had in, you know, over 120 years. And, like, it's not just they have six road games, as you pointed out. Half of them are against – Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Those are just half the, the road games. And, like, hey, listen, Michigan State, I bet, will bounce back this year. We already talked about Penn State, I think, will be even better. And they were good this past year. You know, Maryland has Tonga Violoa coming back. They'll be good again. They, can they almost it. beat us last year, Dave. Excuse, uh, they did. They yeah, yes. last year. I know. I know. So, I don't know. So, to answer your question, no, I'm not with you because I think it's almost like one and the same, even though I might be wrong. Like I feel like beating Michigan and winning the Big Ten is almost the same thing for the Buckeyes in 2023. Not totally, but that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, that's a good point though, because you're right. That is kind of the fulcrum in a lot of ways. I guess I look at it and I'm like,
1: you remember the team that won the Rose Bowl the Infarrell Briars breakout year where we lost it like Purdue? Yes. And then it was another random game that year. I can't even remember at this point. It's been ten years or what longer which the same. Um but that team was like 10 and 2 or something going into the Rose Bowl. And then, like, we came out of it with like, a ton of momentum. Because the team got better. But, like, we had a couple games where you're just like, oh, what are we
0: doing?
1: I could see this team being in that vein with the amount of youth that we have at key positions offensively, which is, let's be real honest Ohio State has been a Big 12 team from the mid aught that blows a billion points up on the board. So, even when your defense is kind of, it's still winning. The Ohio State's the Oklahoma of, of the late 2000s right now is what we've been the last few years, since Halfley left. And it's a hard thing, but it's an honest. So if McCord or Devin Brown doesn't come in as a world beater right away with admittedly amazing receivers and an awesome set of running backs, but new tackles, a new center. You know, if the offense goes from averaging 48 points a game to averaging 40 points a game, that still could be the difference for a game or two somewhere along the line. So I could see a team a lot like the one that won that Rose Bowl prior to Ballard late in the game against Oregon to sort of steal the deal, right? And uh, DeVere Posey had the winning TD, but the Ballard catch is what we all remember. Um, just so nobody nitpicked at me in the comments. But at the end of the day, that's the kind of team we could have next year. I would love don't get me wrong, like everybody wants to go undefeated. They want to beat Alabama. They want to beat Michigan by 50. I get that. Like I'm on board of that half. Fantastic. But right now, I... We gotta get to spring football and show me of an offensive line that can at least keep the new quarterback upright and that one of these guys is firing anywhere near the Stroud, the fields, the Haskins level. That's that's where we're at right now. So my expectations might go up when we get to the season. They probably will. We all get more optimistic when when we're when we get a little close to the year, but right now there's a lot that needs answered to me. And if we have a year where we just win the game. Then I'm going to be happy,
0: regardless if it's nine and three or eleven and one or undefeated. I love that you've locked out the 2009 USC game from your memory. I I don't think it happened either. Um, oh, that was it, damn me, Matt, Dave Matt Barkley. I, I forgot all. I, they were playing. Uh, they were playing the, that. Was, that was when like a uh, uh, black IPs were just on fire. They had that. You know, tonight's going to be a good night song. They started playing that early in the fourth quarter when Ohio State was winning, and the place was going crazy it was like right around and i was in the press box for that it was almost as loud in the press box so it's probably obviously exponentially louder in the actual stadium uh that's as loud as i remember hearing the horseshoe since 1995 against notre dame um so um yeah so uh, 2009 you're right so they got you know they bounced back they made the rose bowl a nice little springboard into the next year um yeah i, I don't know I, I just feel like if they beat michigan they're gonna win the big 10 and Listen, they're going to be favored over, over Notre Dame. They're going to be favored over Penn State. Michigan's the one game on the schedule they might be an underdog, and we'll see what happens when November comes around. We'll see what happens. Michigan's going to be really good again. I, I What they're doing with their offensive line is impressive. They're getting guys to stick around that would be like second-day draft picks, like second or third round, where Ohio State's losing guys or getting guys in the transfer portal that are like big-time guys, where Ohio State did get Vic Cutler. All right, let's get into this. This is going to be the next question anyway. So the offensive line is a concern of mine. Um you lose three starters. Not only do you lose three starters, you lose both tackles, Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones. Paris Johnson Jr. might be – Paris Johnson Jr. might be the number one offensive lineman off the board. If not, he'll be the number two offensive lineman off the board. Dewan yep. Jones will probably be a second-round pick. Luke Whipler, I'm hearing, what, third round, maybe even second round, and they weren't expecting he would go. So you're losing three guys that are going to be taken within the first three rounds right there. And Ohio State has not really recruited that well in the offensive line. They haven't really hit the portal that strong. They did get Vic Cutler, as we said, from Louisiana Monroe. I like Josh Fryer. You know, he's going to be the left tackle. I like Zed Mahalski at right tackle. But, like, you know, we'll see, man. I mean, it's just so unproven. I feel like not enough people are talking about the fact that they're replacing three-fifths of their offensive line. And three guys are going to be drafted early in the NFL draft. Yeah, and let's
1: be honest. Like, the line last year was – it was good, but it wasn't great. You know, like we haven't had like a dominant line. Like we every year we look at the guys in their raw recruiting rankings the last couple of years, and it feels like you and I are like gonna be our best line yet. And then, and then it doesn't happen, right? Two years ago we started four tackles. Last year the line was good; they were strong, but they were improved, but they still weren't like lights out. So you're taking an above average line, and you're losing a first round pick and two picks that are second day guys, and you're only keeping the guard right? Because the centers and the tackles are the ones that everybody sort of sees as the linchpins, right? And no offense to our two guards who are very good guards. Jones and Jackson are very good, but this is a big deal because you have all the toys for the quarterback, but if you can't keep the quarterback upright, that's a problem. And then you're also talking about things like going to a place like Wisconsin. You know that's going to be a damn big game, Dave, right? It always is whenever we have something like this happen. Ohio State always gets the road night game. Right. And I vividly remember we're talking about the throw prior era. What was the one lost the year after that Rose Bowl? Frickin at Wisconsin. Night. Yep. Yep. And the year that didn't count, but it should have counted. Yeah. That, my son was not born at halftime of that Sugar Bowl win. But, anyways, um, the reality is when you have this many young guys that you're turning in, but I, I hope that they come out and they score 50 points a game and Zen Mahalski is, you know, the, the Polish blocking superstar on the edge. And, you know, we've got Josh Pryor stepping in like a superstar. And Warhawk Cutler shows up at center. Or Carson Hensman, who, by the way, we took from Wisconsin. And it has one of those classic Wisconsin offensive linemen that has some German-sounding name that gets drafted between the second and fifth rounds and plays eight years in the NFL written all over him. right? These guys could turn out to be superstars. And, we're pro- and we gonna look back at this podcast and go, eh, they were too worried about it. But right now, that's a big unknown because you have all the weapons. But can you keep your quarterback upright? And can you handle things like silent count? Can you handle the cadence situation? Can you handle a center snap to a quarterback? And these are things you have to learn over the course of the season that we kind of gloss over sometimes. But when you're on the road to Wisconsin and it's 9.30 p.m. Central time and it's a high game and there are 80,000 drunk badgers screaming at the top of their lungs, it makes a difference. So that's kind of why I'm a little worried about this here. It's not just as simple as can you block the guy in front of you. All
0: right, let's get into offensive line recruiting. Um, hasn't been going great overall, but, you know, at least this past year, you know, they were like three really good offensive linemen in Ohio. They landed all three of them. The previous year, Tegra Shibola, um, one of the best offensive linemen in the country. He's also from Ohio. They landed him. They landed Carson Hinsman in that class, too. Um, actually, before we get to recruiting, let me ask you about center. Um, where are you – where are you at on center? Do you think it's going to be Carson Hinsman as a redshirt freshman? Do you think it's going to be Vic Cutler, the transfer from Louisiana Monroe, who played left tackle last year, of course, at Louisiana Monroe, but also has played center in his career? They've said he's going to be an interior lineman at Ohio State. As you mentioned, both guards are coming back, which is huge. Matt Jones and Donovan Jackson, that is the good news. Um, and I think Donovan Jackson is going to have a huge year. Yeah, do you like Carson Hinsman as the center? Do you like Vic Cutler? Like, What do you think is going to happen there? Here's what I hope happens.
1: I hope it's Hensman, which allows us to have Cutler push these tackles a little bit. Because none of these guys have started at Alabama like that. None of these guys have started against A&M like he has. I hope Hensman has such a good spring that we go, let's try Cutler at tackle. Let's have him be the guy that pushes Mahal. Let's have him be the guy who pushes Fryer. Which, by the way, Fryer did play one game last year at tackle, and he looked good in it. So, optimism there. That, But is he the left tackle, or is he better off as the right tackle? And then you also mentioned Tegar Shabola. I mean, he's another guy that, you know, he's only only second year in the program, but you're hoping that maybe he can start being a guy who pushes a little bit. So I hope it's Hensman, right? The pedigree and the ability to swing cutler to the outside. You know, and by the way, how many times during the Bowman era, Dave, did we go, Why is the center playing tackle now? That's what I'm sitting here talking about. So it should tell you how concerned we are right now.
0: So so, recruiting uh, – so, Michigan's already landed two offensive linemen from the state of Ohio in the 2024 class. Luke Hamilton has committed to Michigan, and so has Ted Hammond. So, Luke Hamilton's from Avon, Ohio. Ted Hammond's from Cincinnati St. Xavier. The Buckeyes – and the Wolverines have also offered Ben Roebuck from uh, St. Edward. Speaking of St. Ed's, the Buckeyes have offered – this is nothing new. They have offered the Armstrong twins, Deontay and Devontae Armstrong um, – both offensive tackles, six seven two eighty is Deontay, 6'5", 288 is Devontae. Get into um, offensive line recruiting. How do you feel like Justin Fry is doing? How do you feel like he is going to do in that respect? Are we getting the twins? Then they don't talk about it, you know? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. They have pouncy
1: twins written all over them to me. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I hate seeing Michigan come into Ohio and get Ohio. Even if they're the kids that are – far below what we would normally offer because we have such faith in our nest go to sparta go, to Kentucky, go, go somewhere else don't go to michigan and you know that's the thing about the harbaugh era is that we wondered for the longest time like why isn't he recruiting ohio and then why is he taking like guys ranked 50th in ohio like we didn't understand now they've won a couple you get a little worried about it because what was the key well how did Trestle fix the rivalry sure you know belief panache and the fact that he's the great James Patrick Trestle but he also shut the border they didn't come here and get kids we wanted so I'm really hoping this isn't a situation where Ohio State loses out on kids that we want. Um, that's going to define whether or not I think Fry's offensive line recruiting is successful in Ohio than in any position can't lose kids Michigan that we want right and if the rest of the next year kids are there and they're this close like we've talked about this before dave ohio recruits aren't i think in many ways are the biggest runway for recruits and by that i mean if you have a three-star from ohio odds are if he was from a southern state he'd be a four-star and not because the evaluation is different but because we don't have spring football These kids haven't really hit their strength potential. They really haven't hit their football potential yet. So they come in a little more raw. And we saw this with the D'Antonio era, right, where they got all these three-star kids from Ohio that turned out to be excellent football players, right? That's the sort of thing that I always have this fear of when Michigan comes here and takes the kids that are from this state. We've seen this historically. Like, if you don't know your history, you're condemned to repeat it. And the history of this rivalry is when they come to Ohio and they get good Ohio kids, then they generally succeed when they don't get the best Ohio kids, when they don't even get the second tier of Ohio kids, we win. It's, it, it is the biggest defining factor in a big picture in the rivalry. So I really hope those kids that are committed to Michigan aren't ones at Ohio state. That's all I got to really say about it.
0: All right. Last thing, your award-winning column, the bucket, you gave a vote of confidence to Chris Holtman, um, <laughs> the uh, buck Most of them, some of them praised you and said, good for you for defending him. Um, Many of them did not. Many of them did not concur with you. Um, you know, now I'm in the camp here where I'm just being a realist. It doesn't matter. He's not going anywhere after this year. We got 20 million reasons why he's not. Now, if they didn't extend him, if they wouldn't have owed, owed him 20 million dollars if they'd fire him after this year, I think he'd be in trouble. I really do. But it's it's irrelevant because he's not going anywhere. They're not going to pay him 20 million dollars not to coach. He'll get another year. Um, but if it wasn't for the buyout, um, I think this season is a fireable offense if, just because it's year six. This is year one or two or maybe even three. No, but yeah. this is the worst basketball season at Ohio State in 25 years. Now, you, in fairness, you wrote your column before the Michigan State game. Somehow oh, they were favored in that game. And ESPN, as I talked about on Monday's show, I think they've broken the computers backs. ESPN's Basketball Power Index, you know, they do the football power index, too, the win probability. They gave Ohio State a 73% chance of winning the game. Michigan State was a three-point underdog. I'm like, what? Um, and then Ohio State goes out there and lays like the egg of all eggs, 62 to 41. So he yeah. wrote the column before then. I want to make that clear. Um, but um, if Chris Holtman did not have this contract extension, do you think maybe he would be in trouble right now? Yeah, I wrote that call. I'm also hoping to get a little bit of spring from the results of that. Whoop.
1: <laughs> well, me, so, first of all, yes, this is an absolutely abysmal season. <laughs> this is this, this is a horrible season. In a vacuum, you're right, this is a fireable kind of season. Stupendously awful basketball. I'm going to agree to all of that before anybody decides to like, jump down my throat about it. I wrote that column not thinking it would be the most popular thing I've ever written, but do you remember how good he was taking over the program in June his first year? Hit mm-hmm. a team that dunk the year before. That was the second worst season in 25 years, if you will, right? And he had a team that was held together with duct tape and kids that he popped up a recruiting class just to get bodies. And you know, he won 20 games. He made the tournament and Finished every year in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. He, it was like 15-3 in the Big Ten that year with a, a roster that was nowhere near ready, right? Uh, and every year after that, until this season, Holtman's had a consistent 20-plus win. He's had a tournament. He's had a good team. And coming into the season, it was the first of two back-to-back top 10 recruits. And I can already hear the people going, ah, they're going to lose those recruiting classes. They're so bad. Okay, sure, if that happens, the hey, the equation changes. But as of right now, even if this year's refreshment are struggling next year, guess what? They're going to be a year better. Uh, and, yes, Dave, you're right. The the extension, he's not going to go anywhere. They're not doing that. They're trying to raise money to build a hockey rink right now. They don't have money to spend $20 million in a buyout for Chris Holtman. But even if he didn't have the extension, he's had five good years. Like, five very good up to Ohio State basketball standard years. And this is probably where I break with some people. There are some people who look at it and go, why don't we win 25 to 30 games every season, almost always consistently finish in the top three of the Big Ten regular season, make the Sweet 16? We have the resources. We have the name brand. Hello, we have the logo. Why aren't we doing that? I get that. But realistically, if you look at the results at Ohio State, the early FADMATA years where we were in the Final Four and we had Greg Oden and we walked into a final thinking, oh, my God, this team is legit to win the Natty. That's uncommon. It's just not historically what Ohio State basketball is. Any season Ohio State basketball makes the Sweet 16, it is a definitive successful year, right? The elite basketball programs are the ones that say, hey, if we don't make the Final Four, it's not a good year. We're not that right now. Whether we want it to be or not, we have to be realistic what we are, and we're not. Now, the counter to that is that Holtman never made the Sweet 16 either, and I, yeah, I, I would very much like to see Ohio State a little further. But this is one bad year, I Hey, if this happens next year, then he's out, right? But I don't think you torch a coach after one bad year um, when he's at five standard or better years by what we would expect from him. And when he's bringing in a top 10 class, like if the recruiting class was bare next year, I'd be also worried. But this has bounce back turnaround year on it. And like you said, the computer is a little broken by Ohio State this year. At one point, we were like 34th and 10 bomb. And we were like three games under 500. So like, that gives you like an idea, like until these recent games, these have all been two and three point losses and young, stupid mistakes that don't work out. And it's just been kind of a weird year where the young guys just aren't getting it done in front time. So you know what? It's a crappy year. It sucks, but I don't think it's time to torture. I just don't, you know, fast forward to a year from now, Dave, and we're having this conversation, but I was, you having a bad year, Call one of the Miller brothers and let's go from there. But as of right now, I don't want a new Coltman. I just don't see it on
0: one bad year. The really good thing about this basketball season for Ohio State is spring football is only three weeks away. There we go. Right? So, there we go. So, we're three weeks away from spring ball, roughly. Maybe a little bit more. March 7th. But so uh, That
1: is the most Ohio State answer you can give to a bad basketball season question, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, basketball's not so good this year. Hey, it's almost spring football. Screw it. That is my counter to everybody who says, why isn't Ohio State a Final Four consistent team every year? We're a football school. I want us to be a basketball school. I want us to be a wrestling school. I want us to be a hockey school, right? We're great at all these sports. But at the end of the day, we know where the buck stops, and it's with football. So, sorry. It's
0: where the Buckeyes stop. That's exactly right, and that's where our show stops today. Thank you very much to the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Appreciate it very much, Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is The Bucket. Thanks to all the listeners and viewers. Appreciate you guys very much. Everyone has a great rest of your day.